All right, y'all. I swear the intro is the most awkward part, but welcome back. This is the Expectant Without Expecting podcast, and I'm your host, Cameron Crosby. I am super, super excited for um, the guests that are coming on later this week and that I get to share with you later this week. But until then, um, I was hanging out with some friends and they, they brought me back to reality. They humbled me real quick and they told me that I had to get some skin in the game before I share anyone else's testimony. So this is me. I'm committing to the bit as my friend Madison would say. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'll share my testimony. I think I always had this idea that my testimony wasn't like crazy powerful because I haven't gone through super hard times, but I know that's a lie from the enemy and that's not the mission behind this uh, podcast. And I know every testimony is worth sharing and it's powerful. So I, I'll share mine and we can just get right into it. Um, I am in a family of four. My mom and dad are awesome. They are still together. I have an older brother. He is four years older than me. He lives in Nashville, loves the Lord, soon to be married this year. We are so excited. Um, just like a really, I grew up in a really awesome family. I grew up in Montana and, um, my parents, put my brother and I in a private Christian school growing up for the first couple of years. I went to private Christian school K through fifth and my brother went K through eight. And I think that created um, or that gave me a really, really solid foundation of just like biblical knowledge and knowing that God is true and real and um, yeah, just like surface level basics. And I'm really appreciative of that. I then went to public school and was playing sports, um, had a fine middle school experience. High school definitely fell off the tracks. I did play sports, like I said, but on the off seasons, we would party, we would drink, we would do all the things. And at the time, I thought that's what was fun and would fulfill me, but quickly learned that it was super, super depressing and not fun at all. So um, definitely participated in the worldly things, but quickly became numb to the world because of it. And um, my parents could see that in me. My parents saw that I wasn't really myself. So they offered me an opportunity to graduate early and travel. And so to me, I was like, okay, um, I don't really want to be in high school anymore anyways. And I'm done playing sports. So yeah, I'll go travel. So my parents, um, we've, I guess I should back up a little bit. I, I grew up in a YWAM based household. My grandpa helped out a lot in the lakeside Montana base. And then my mom also did YWAM when she was younger. She went to Hawaii. And so when my mom and dad could see that I was visibly struggling um, emotionally, spiritually in high school, they they knew what YWAM was. I didn't. So 
I had always claimed Christianity. I just didn't, I just didn't know what like a relationship with God was. So when my parents asked me one spot that I'd always wanted to travel, I had mentioned New Zealand and, um, my mom is amazing. She immediately just went online, found the YWAM base in New Zealand and, or a YWAM base in New Zealand. There's multiple and she helped me get there. And so, um, I remember I had never traveled alone before, but I got on the plane. It was a super long flight, like 22 hours or something like that. And it was overwhelming for me. I was 18 at the time and I, I just remember being really, really stretched in that moment, but also I was so just not in my own, like, I felt, I, I feel like I was so down and on at rock bottom at that point that there was really nothing that could be, that could get any worse, you know? So I just, I remember I like the plane ride just went fairly quickly because I just sat there and I was like, I, I don't know where I'm going, but I don't know if I care. Like, at that point in life, I just didn't really care about a whole lot. So, um, yeah, I, I arrived in New Zealand after a really, really long day of travel. And I just remember I wanted to like go into a bedroom, crawl under the covers for 24 hours, not talk to anyone and just lay there. And I arrived and it was the complete opposite of that. When I say like every single person that I saw that were a part of YWAM were like jumping for joy and like super happy. I was so confused. I was like, how is everyone this joyful? How is everyone this like filled with happiness? It, it seemed so weird to me. And I, um, I got off the plane and there was a lady waiting there for me with a little sign who actually ended up being my one-on-one mentor while I was there that time. But, um, she was waiting there with the sign. And before I had left for New Zealand, my mom was like, it's a, it's a new base. There's a waterfall. There's avocado trees. Like it's beautiful. You're going to love it. And I was like, yeah, all right. That sounds pretty great. Like count me in. I'm there. So I arrive. Um, her name was Michelle. Michelle grabs me and she's like, Hey, we're so excited to have you here. Um, just wanted to let you know so many people signed up for this DTS this season that we have 35 overflow students and the overflow students are actually going to be living on a ship. And I was like, on a ship? Like, please don't tell me that I'm an overflow student. And she was like, no, yeah, you're part of the overflow group. And I just remember starting to cry. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm supposed to be near a waterfall with avocado trees. Like this is not what was supposed to happen. And I, I really had no choice in the matter. I showed up, they made me wear this bright neon vest to get to the boat because we had to walk through like a working yard. I don't know what it's called. Like there were workers and we had to walk through it and it was whatever. And so, um, I get into the boat and mind you, I'm six feet tall. So I am used to like high ceilings, door, whatever. And I swear every single doorway is like max 5'10". My bed is three inches shorter than I am. I have a cupboard for a closet and I'm sharing a room with like four other girls that are all super, super chipper and joyful and happy to be there. And I was dying inside. I was like, I think I just entered my own personal hell. I called my parents immediately and I was like, 
yeah, I think I need to come home. I don't think I'm in the right spot. Like everyone's so happy to be here. Everyone has a relationship with God here. Everyone says like he, like the joy of the Lord is their strength. And I thought I had just entered like some looneyville. I, I didn't know. So I remember just being, being pretty, um, I was really closed off. Actually, I, I'll just admit it. I was really, really closed off to a relationship with God. I told everyone like, yeah, I'm Christian. Yeah. Like I claim Christianity, but that was the extent of it. And so for two weeks while I was there, I was so closed off. I was closing myself in the room, like didn't want to go to any of the sessions, didn't really like mix with any of the people because they all seemed way more happy than me. And I remember it was like one in the morning, I was dead asleep and God woke me up two weeks in and I just started breaking down. Like I, he met me right there and was like, I'm going to have a relationship with you, whether you like it or not. And I felt it. I mean, immediately I felt it. I felt the Holy Spirit come on me. I felt what it was like to feel loved by our father and it was just a radical encounter that changed my life forever. And so after that, I obviously was going to every session, became best friends with all the people there, ended up being so thankful that I was on the ship because our little 35 group or 35 people group um, just became so close. And like, we still talk to this day. It's amazing and just such a God-ordained uh, relationship. But yeah, so that was really when I dropped the religious card and gained my relationship card with God. And uh, then I came back, walked at graduation, and ended up coming to college in Bozeman, Montana, which is where I still live. I've been here for like eight years now, which is crazy to think about, but um, loved college. But again, in college, I still had my relationship with God and knew him to be true and the most important thing in my life. But it wasn't like a straight and narrow path for me after I encountered the Lord. It was definitely, I've had my highs and my lows. I've had my backsliding moments. I've had my radical encounter moments with the Lord. I've had him leave the 99 for me multiple times, which I actually used to sit in shame um, about because I was always thinking like, he already left the 99 for me. Why should he have to do it again? But that's not his heart. He wants to leave the 99 for you. He rejoices when you come back home. He's a God that is sitting on the front porch, arms wide open, ready to give you a hug, ready to embrace you when you come home. And I think I just learned that time and time again with, um, with my walk with him. And I'm so thankful for his graciousness. And that's why I say like his love is persistent because it was never by my acts that I got back to this point. Um, it's always just been his persistent love for me that has gotten me back in relationship with him and walking with him and living for him. So college was awesome. I loved it. But like I said, not a straight and narrow path. I'm now out of college. Um, and I've had, I've had my fair share of um, highs and lows, but I, I really feel like my faith in the last year in 2023 was the biggest growth year for me. So towards the end of every podcast, I intend to ask my guests when in their life was a time that they placed expectations on God and how did that turn out? Like how, how did that end up 
either shaping their faith or what did they learn through that? And, um, this past year when I was saying that I was in such a valley, I feel like that's the time when I placed expectations on God. And, um, I just experienced something so different than I thought he was going to do. So I was living in Charleston last winter in January. I felt like he asked me to go to Charleston, which is funny because I actually didn't know anyone in Charleston. That's one state that I know nobody. I do now, but I didn't know anyone at the time. So I felt like he asked me to go. So I packed up my bags um, and brought my dog and my horse and we went to South Carolina and it ended up being the sweetest season almost to date. Like I, I really do compare it to my season in New Zealand. Like it was just so, so special with him. And I felt like I was hearing from him so clearly. I was hearing fresh revelations and having visions like every single day. And my faith was just radical there. It was, it was different. I feel like I was in training, but also just in this season where it was him and I, like no one else, no distractions, no limits. And it was, it was truly just a season with him and I. And I absolutely loved it. He answered so many prayers. He did give me community out there. I ended up meeting amazing friends. Um, and I still have such a soft spot for that, that spot. But I, yeah, at some point it was time to come home. I felt like he was asking me to come back to Bozeman. And when he was telling me to come back home, I felt like he told me, you're going to walk into your springtime. And being from Montana where we have 13 months of winter, springtime to me is such a sweet sound. Like I think of the snow melting. I think of flowers and rainbows and sunshine. And that's when I hear springtime, I just think of like yay, not winter. Okay. So I think of it as like a really, really sweet season. So I put these expectations on God, like, okay, I'm walking into my springtime. Like, what are you going to do? Won't you do it? Right? Like I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting. I was just expecting like a really, really sweet season and for him to move in really, really cool ways. And I got home and I experienced the exact opposite of that. Like when I tell you it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. It was nothing like I thought it was going to be. I was so just down bad. Like I was having work trials and like just friendship trials and so many different things that just felt heavy. And I felt like I was in a silent season with God. I felt like I couldn't hear from him, which was weird because I had just left a season where I was hearing from him so clearly. And I really just was having a tough season. I didn't understand. I thought I had heard from him so clearly. I felt him tell me I was walking into my springtime and I didn't feel like I was in my springtime. And so I was a little bit upset and I felt like maybe I had done something wrong, which is I know better than to think that way. And that's not God's heart for us. He's not a punishing God, but as humans, that's where our brain goes sometimes, right? So I was sitting in this season of just, uh, just depression and I was not happy. And I remember I was sitting on my couch one day and I looked out the window and it was dumping rain. It was so muddy out. It was so gray. And I remember the snow was melting, but that also meant the grass was all dead and the snow melted over my, um, 
gardening beds and I saw all of last year's harvest that was rotten in there because I didn't clean it out the year before. And so I just remember sitting there and being like, oh my gosh, it's really ugly out. And right there, God spoke to me and he was like, yeah, springtime isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. Like springtime can be ugly. Springtime means spring cleaning and working the soil in your garden and cleaning out old clothes and getting rid of the old and making room and preparing for the new. And it all made sense right there, but it took a while to get to that point. And I really did place expectations on God. Like I thought that he was going to move in one way and it was completely different. And looking back, I wouldn't trade that season of like, I call it my valley season, but I wouldn't change or trade out my valley season for anything because I learned my father's heart and I had to really dig deep and like learn my shepherd's voice in that season more so than I would have on a mountaintop. And obviously I love mountaintop seasons as well. Like I love harvest seasons and I'm expectant for a harvest season coming up, but I, I just know that like even in the hard times and actually more so in the hard times, that's where we learn our father's intentions more so than like the mountaintop seasons. So, um, I would say that's been my most recent experience with placing expectations on how I thought God was going to move. And he moved in a completely different way. But looking back on that, he always knows what's best. I needed that refinement season. I needed that um, just humbling season and my quiet season. I honestly felt like in that season of life, I didn't even have like enough energy to speak. I felt like I was so leveled, but that was also okay. And I also felt like he kept me hidden in a sense. Um, so even in those seasons of like feeling like you have nothing to give, he still is a protective father and he still has you hidden under his wing. He might not have you out in, out in the public eye or whatever, for a reason. Like he might want you to stay hidden and there's beauty in the hidden seasons as well. And I think I just learned that like, no matter what, he is a jealous God and he craves our heart. And when I was growing up, my mom always used to say, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. And I, I used to say like, okay, whatever, you know, I'd write it off. But in the last year, I really learned that's so true. What is in our heart comes out our mouth. And that is the most deceitful part about us. That's where sin is born. And that is what the Lord wants to refine. And so the times that you feel just so down and so lifeless, that's really the time to dig deep and just say like, God, take it all from me. Take whatever is in my heart and give me your heart. Give me your desires and refine me because I truly do want your will to be done. I don't want my will to be done. So um, that was one of the greatest lessons I've learned, I think, in my 26 years of life. And also, I just, I don't know, when I just talked about my mom, I feel like I have to give such big props to my parents for constantly praying over me and praying for my brother and I, because I do believe that there's power in prayer. And I believe that my testimony is a testimony to their faithfulness to God too, and just their persistence with him and knowing that them releasing 
my brother and I into the Lord's hands is the safest spot that we could ever end up. And so, yeah, I just encourage you, like, if there's something that you're facing right now that you feel hopeless about and you just feel like you've tried everything or you can't get out of this slump, I would just go crawling on your hands and knees to the feet of Jesus and just say, here you go, God, like I give this to you and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't have the right words, but I know that that isn't what you're looking for. You're just looking for my surrender and in your surrender and in your release, you will receive his graciousness, his joy, his protective love. And that is worth everything. It's so worth the surrender. So yeah, I'd say that's my most recent, my most recent expectation season. And, um, my testimony, like I said, it's nothing crazy. It's nothing, um, earth shattering. I feel like I haven't experienced, I'm so blessed to not have experienced anything crazy, but I have experienced God and his heart and his love for me. And I, I can genuinely say that like when I'm fulfilled in him, I'm fulfilled. That's all that matters. And I think if, if you would have asked like (laughs) high school me or anyone that knew me in high school, if I would have a faith-based podcast or love the Lord this much, people would think no way, like that's crazy, not her, but that is my testimony. And I know that the Lord wants a relationship with every single one of his children and there's nothing that you've done or I've done in my past that can separate us from his love. So yeah. And I know it's so cliche to say, but there really is a reason for every season and he has good, good things for you in store, um, in every single season that you face. So yeah. And, uh, going back to the power in prayer, I really do my heart for this podcast and for just this account in general is to partner with, um, partner with everyone and just push the kingdom forward, push the plow. And if there's ever a prayer request, or if you ever feel like you just need someone on your side, on your team, I am always here. I can keep things anonymous if you want me to reach out to my circle and ask for them to help pray. I do believe that there's like where two or more are gathered, the Lord is near. So, um, there's power in prayer. I believe in that. I know that God's hand is on this year and I'm expecting for 2024. I'm so thankful for this podcast, even if it only reaches one. And yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I can't wait to share this next guest with you. I'm going to try and have a new episode out to you guys every single week. So um, that's my goal. But yeah, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Love y'all. See you next time.